You know the people that don't realize they're in danger? <laughs> you yes. know? There was a lady that had a horse that he seemed okay. He was cute. He looked like he was maybe a cart horse of some type at some point in his life. But just like that kind of build. And she's like, well, you know, we've gone beginner novice. And then he would just see the jump, charge at the jump, and then duck out at the last second. Oh, my God. I was like, that's the worst of both worlds right there. But she was yeah. just, it's all right. It's okay. We're okay. We're okay. And I was like, man, she doesn't realize how not nice her horse is. No, people will pay a lot of money for those things. I, I always <laughs> chuckle at that because every single cross I've had is, I swear, they're weirder than any thoroughbred I've ever owned. And people <laughs> pay double the money. They're like... They want to come see them. And I'm like, you're going to die. You will die. <laughs> oh, no. I can ride it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Great. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh. eh, whatever. <laughs> well, we're excited to have you back on again. Mm -hmm. Happy New Year, everyone. And welcome back to OTTB on tap. This is episode eight. I'm Neve. And I'm Emily. And in this episode, we will be talking again with Jessica Redmond from Benchmark Sport Horses in an episode titled OTTB Assessment and First Rides, The Benchmark Sport Horses Way. And just a reminder, Jessica, can you just tell our listeners where you are, where you're located and how they can reach you? Sure. We are in Camden, Delaware. We have a website, www.benchmarksporthorses.com, um, and we're on Facebook benchmark sport horses. Awesome. So we just kind of want to go through the viewpoint of your operation and how you get horses in and start to assess them and how you get your first ride It's sort of an overview of all that. So we're going to break it down into little pieces. So starting off, are there any sort of generalizations or expectations that you'll make before the horse arrives at your farm either based on their race history or bloodlines or maybe the trainer that they were with at the track or maybe the track that they were at? Honestly, no. I can't really say that I formulate much of an opinion about how I'll start the process before I meet the horse. You know, I like to think that maybe I have an idea of what I'm getting based on breeding and where they came from and those sort of things. But I... I kind of always say that you're not exactly sure what's going to show up until it shows up. And so yeah. then once they show up, then I kind of start to feel them out and figure out, you know, where we're going to go from there. Were there any times that you maybe thought a certain thing about a horse or a track or that's race history and you were kind of wrong about what you had thought about before the horse arrived? Yeah. I like, I, I find war horses fascinating. So like I bought a horse and I want to say he had run like 90 times, you know, so you sort wow. of, you're like, wow, what is this going to be? You know, and I, I just, I got him just because he was coming from a friend and he, he came from Louisiana and he was one of those horses that had just been around the block, run everywhere. And, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, you know, he might be body sore. He might be kind of upside down. We just, so you sort of think how how's this horse going to look? And he was just like so soft and so lovely to ride. And his legs looked so clean. And it was, it was really cool kind of just to see that because I, 
I've had war horses, but I've never had one, I think, with that many starts. So you just sort of something a, a little bit new and it can go either way. Like sometimes I think uh, a horse will be really easy based on its breeding and where it came from. And then I mm-hmm. get it and I sort of like anything but that. So <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's like what always makes it interesting is that if you like the process, it's like every horse is sort of a mystery because no matter how how much you do this or how good you think you are, you you never really know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that's interesting. I had a war horse that I bought as a personal horse and thought, oh, she's been with one owner her entire career. She's going to be so easy. She's going to be so broke. And she couldn't even steer. It was so funny. It like, was the opposite of everything that you always think of about a war horse. Yeah. Like, we spent months in the round pen. Because I, I would get her in the oh ring, God. and she'd just be like, no, we're going over here. She'd be like, how did you race over 50 times? Like, I don't know how this how this happened. So I felt like she presented like she'd be softer to ride. Yeah. I always feel like that is one of the biggest unknowns for me. You know, it's like I'll look at their confirmation and think, oh, they're they're going to be pretty nice in the bridal. And sometimes it's like, wow, I couldn't have been any yeah. more wrong about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I've had that legit do not turn right, which mm-hmm. I know people would not maybe think about that, but I've probably had at least five that I can think of that actually couldn't figure out how to go right. And it's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. And probably something that I think most people probably just don't encounter, but like these horses had an actual mental block about going right. They didn't believe mm-hmm. that they could go right. Wow. And it, it took a ground person helping the rider to get them to go to the right. So yeah, kind of odd. That was, that was strange. <laughs> I never would have predicted that. And did yeah. a light bulb go on for the horse when you had the ground person that suddenly it was like, Oh, this is okay. Or it was, was it a struggle? I would say like the one that comes you know, that I think about the most was this horse. He had pe- probably run like 35 times. And he, we even, we went out into the field thinking that that would help versus trying it in the, in the riding ring. Like maybe he was just sort of confused about the riding ring, but he got it a little bit better in the field. I would say it took about four rides mm-hmm. to get him actually understanding the right with a combination of lunging and and riding and and to the point he would just stop and he just mm-hmm. no move like you couldn't go anywhere he just was like I you know you'd be going left and you'd try to turn right and he he just was like three steps and and no and it was it wasn't even like he was being naughty he just he really just believed he he wasn't supposed to do that wow yeah actually my barn manager had a horse that she bred and raised and got in recently. And I don't think she ever raced, but she was trained to race. And when she arrived, she also was very reluctant to turn right. In fact, she wouldn't even turn her head or her neck. And she ended up doing like a ton of groundwork with her just to unlock. She was stuck, like even on the cross ties or something. She, if you'd be on that side of her and there was nothing physically wrong with her. And she's like, maybe this was why she, you know, didn't successfully work out at the track or it's strange that they didn't notice that about Mm -hmm. her, but. Maybe there's a training technique that they're using yeah. that is happening like I actually more. reached out to his trainer because I know her fairly well. And I said, you know, this this horse is really odd. Like, I, I can't get him to turn right. And she was like, <laughs> what? I mean, I'm like telling her this. And she's she's like thinking I'm like a crazy person. And I showed her some video and she was like, 
wow, now that is strange. I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. strange. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. But he did figure it out and came through it, you know, so I don't know. <laughs> He's propagating the myth that resources can only go right. left. It's just not a common thing, but again, no. there's a lot of like little outliers that I always think that, wow, I could have never predicted this, you know, yeah. buying this horse. I, this is not what I thought I was getting. Especially running 35 times. You think yeah. it's got to be decently broke at that stage, but yeah. that's mm-hmm. so, so interesting. Can you discuss your process for when the horse first arrives at your farm? So are there any kind of cues that you look for? to see if the horse is ready to go into work, you know, in terms of like being ridden, being listed on your website, or maybe it's a horse that might take a little bit of time or might not even fit into your program ultimately. So when a horse comes in, our initial assessment really starts just to begin when we do like our cleanup process. Our cleanup process is kind of like our first step here. We pull the manes, clip them up, clip the feathers, clip their feet, bang the tails, all that stuff. This time of year, we pretty well clip most of the horses that are coming in. And I feel like that's just kind of giving me an, an assessment to start out. How confident is this horse in the barn? How are they to work around? Just general mannerisms. I, I think yeah. that already kind of tells you a lot because From that process, I can kind of tell, is this horse nervous? Are they worried about being around their friends? Do they seem just quiet and relaxed? It's sort of just your first initial sort of assessment. And then like, how are they in the stall? So, you know, that's sort of my my next thing is like, we've probably brought them in, put them in the barn and then done a little bit of turnout. And I'm kind of just watching, are they relaxed? Are they eating? Just just kind of like general, is everything, does the horse look okay. Some horses relax when they're in work. So I don't put much thought into whether I'm going to start working or I'm not going to start working. Our first step here, normally I'm not a big, so we just get on our horses. It's different than what a lot of people do, but I have a lot of horses and you were pretty experienced. So for us, we don't do a lot of lunging or groundwork. Most of these horses have been ridden and they're in a pro, you know, they're, they're, they're used to doing things. So we take them out to the riding ring. We might walk them around a lap and then we get on the mounting block and we, we get on. But if we walk out to the mounting block and the horse out to the riding ring and the horse is, you know, looking like a kite and it's like Mm -hmm. tail over the back or something, or you go to tack it up and it, it just feels weird. But when you're watching a horse or being around a horse, you kind of get that feeling of, Mm -hmm. you know, this horse is maybe, I put the tack on it and it, my 16 hand horse is now an 18 hand horse. And, <laughs> yes. you know, I, I think maybe I want to put it on the lunge line first. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a gut feeling this time of year. We may put a horse on the lunge line just because it's cold and we want to warm its back up for five sure. minutes before we get on it. But not all thoroughbreds know how to lunge. Yeah. Sometimes lunging gets them more amped up. So it's personal preference. I always feel like a lot of times, you know, these horses understand being ridden. So for us, it's just safer to just go ahead and and get on and and do it. So that's kind of how we do it. If a horse hasn't been in work for a really long time, say it was in a field for six months, we may do some lunging, but we may not. It just depends on the horse. Again, those horses are, most of them have raced, they're broke. And I, I think thoroughbreds are just so much easier than people probably would even know. I can tell you that most of these horses, even horses that have been out in the field for over three months come in here and just 
we just get right on and have zero problems. I guess maybe just because we don't overthink it, but yeah. I think, that, I think that is really good advice though, because you're sort of leaning into an aspect of their life that they already understand yeah. to a certain degree, which is carrying a rider and wearing tack versus thinking as a person that maybe didn't have a lot of experience with off the track thoroughbreds, you might think, well, I'll just put them in the round pen or I'll put them on a lunge line. And like you said, that is something that they're not used to and might be confusing and might kind of backfire a little bit. Yeah. A lot of people like to watch free videos of, you know, horses coming in off the track. And I, I always chuckle to myself because free videos are free time, right? So you put mm-hmm. your horse out in the, in the free area or your round pen or whatever. And, you know, that horse is gonna look a little wild. I mean, it's gonna buck and carry on and do yeah. all these things. And I sometimes feel like that would be more intimidating for me to like watch that horse do all that stuff because <laughs> they rarely do any of that when you're on them. So I, I guess it's like your assessment. You know, I, I kind of have gotten a kick out of sometimes people will say on my free video, oh, those horses look really hot. You know, that, that horse looks it's wild and it's not at all to ride, but when it's loose, it's loose. It's, it's being yeah. a horse. I mean, my horse is, he's absolutely, he, nobody would get on him if they ever saw him just like in the free <laughs> area. He's crazy. But again, where do you feel most comfortable? And yeah. I think that's a different answer for everybody, but for us, it's just like, let's just get on. That's how we do it. Yeah. Well, this sort of leads into another question that we had for you. So obviously you're using the fact that they're used to being ridden as a a safe place, essentially for the horse. Are you doing anything that they might be used to at the track in terms of that, like using a chain or any other things that they might be used to in terms of having someone lead them and things like that? So we do not use chain shanks actually at all, really on my farm, unless I need it for... I don't know, holding a horse for the ferry or something like that. It's very rare. So when we tack a horse up to go out for its first time, we actually just use like a normal lead rope. And and some of my reasonings for that is I don't like chain shanks when I'm going to put a rider up because if anything goes wrong, then a horse has a chain on its nose and sometimes things can go wrong. I'm also not a person that likes to use a lunge line when we're putting a rider up for the first yeah. time because sometimes horses do panic and get loose and you really don't want a lunge line trailing behind them. So, <laughs> but people do that all the time. You'll see people, their grounds person have them on a lunge line. And unless I know that horse and I'm like purposely going to lunge somebody on the horse and I know that they can be mounted, I don't like to use a lunge line because horses, they have moments and we've had it happen Sometimes that you'll go to get up on the mountain block and the horse just has a kind of a panic um, moment and they, they get away from you. And it's just much safer to have a lead rope versus a lunge line mm-hmm. or a chain shank or something like that. So I do not do like a halter over the mm-hmm. bridle. I just attach my lead rope to the bit just because there's plenty of times when I actually just want to go ahead and let go of the horse and let the person trot away from me. So mm-hmm. I don't want to be fighting with that horse to get a halter off of it. I just want to be able to be like, okay, here you go, go, go for a trot. And, and most of the time when you see horses getting ridden at the track or getting riders legged up, it's in the shed row, in the stall, they have a regular lead rope on, or they don't even have a lead rope on. Yeah. But I normally always have a lead rope because I don't want to put any direct 
pressure downward or upward on the on the bit. So if I have a lead rope, then I'm sort of a little bit away from that horse's head. I want to be a little further away from the horse's head. And also like the lead rope just gives you the ability to turn the horse in the direction. You had some questions about what are your steps? And those are like first kind of steps mm-hmm. is, is like just going up the mounting block and having your grounds person really understand the the positioning of the horse. Um, a good grounds person is really critical in understanding how to hold the horse, how to turn the horse, what to do if things go wrong, because sometimes the horse is just not used to the mountain block. So they might be perfectly fine to get on, but just the sound of you walking up the mountain block yeah. is very intimidating. And they will kind of spin around. You really want to kind of keep the horse's haunches out and the shoulders inside the circle. So I always have my rider stand or my ground person. I almost want them like at the shoulder of the horse. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. turn the horse. They're not standing in front of the horse. They're not restraining the horse. And we're real particular about making sure that you're always allowing the horse to go forward. I don't yeah. want the horse to feel like it's Restricted. trapped in, yeah. in any way. So like we do not emphasize standing perfectly still. To me, it's very critical that you don't do that actually, because these horses are normally used to be mounted on the walk. And so yeah. more things can go wrong if you get after them and mm-hmm. you have to stand perfect. Yeah. Um, later down the road, I think that's fine. But in the beginning, we're just trying to get them relaxed and, and forward is kind of the happy place. So yeah. You know, and when, I think having the ground person by their shoulder mimics what they're used to being let in yeah. and out of the paddock. That's if you ever watch videos of races, the trainers are always kind of got their elbow near the shoulder and, and it's a loose rein and they let the horse kind of find the end of it if they need to. But there's not a lot of, like you said, downward pressure or pressure on the horse, but the person's right there if they need to react or redirect the horse in some way. Yeah. And then like for us, you get a lot of feel for a horse when you walk up the mounting block and you stand next to it. So normally we will walk up, the rider is going to pick up the reins before they even really kind of like start to put their foot in. And they're just going to like touch the horse sort of a little bit on the saddle, maybe just a little bit on the neck. And that that's a little bit of like your your gauge. And we're always making sure, and I know I'm I'm so weird, but it's like, is the horse paying attention? Is the horse checked in on what we're doing? Like I'm, when I'm on the ground or that grounds person, I'm watching to see, is that horse frozen? Mm-hmm. Um, freezing is bad. Freezing's really bad. Is the horse chewing? Is it looking at me? Is it thinking? Can I tell that it understands what is about to happen? If it looks like it's holding its breath, if it looks like the back went up, if if anything <laughs> feels wrong, looks wrong, you know, abort mission, you have to be in that moment. Take it very seriously. I've been more hurt getting on horses than anything. And I I think my riders would say the same thing. It is the most dangerous part of what we do is that getting on and people just do not take it seriously. I see way too many people that do not have a grounds person. And, you know, it's just really, I think that's like my biggest thing. I I've been doing this forever. I never get on a horse for the first time without having grounds person. Cause no matter where that horse came from, whether I know the people, I just feel like it's safety. You want that to go good because if also if that goes bad, then that just sets the tone for everything that's going to come mm, yeah. in. So when a person puts their foot in, then that's your next step. Is the horse feeling okay? Does the rider feel anything weird? 
sometimes if the horse feel a little like ah, not mm-hmm. sure, they're like just walking away. The rider goes like halfway up, meaning uh-huh. they'll stand up without going all the way over. So we we do that. Sometimes you'll see that in some of our videos where the grounds person is turning the horse and the person is kind of bellied over or halfway up and they're just waiting maybe a stride or two just to see if everything feels okay. And then if everything feels okay, then they'll just go the rest of the way over. Um, Sometimes we have horses that we can't get on from the mounting block, but they're okay with us giving a leg. And we'll do that until we can get them used to the mounting block. So it just takes the time that it takes. But there's been, I'd say probably, I've maybe had a total like 10 horses that we just couldn't ever get on. And for whatever reason, they just gave us such a bad feeling. And we just, I just really believe that, you know, horses tell you if you listen. And so (laughs) for me, there has been a couple that I, I just, (laughs) this isn't worth it. You You have to listen to your gut. I think in that second, you are so vulnerable when you are swinging your leg over and Definitely a lot can go wrong. Like you said, we rarely had any problems, but when you do have a problem, it's usually a pretty bad one. It's usually a big one. Yeah. 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 And it's quick and it happens in a split second. Yeah. But most of them, they're best. I feel like if they seem okay, like you said, just get on them. You know, you have to be able to make that distinction because the longer you're kind of hemming and hawing about it, the more gives yeah. the horse time to think about it and you know maybe they're fine right <laughs> but it's you know and sometimes tough. like we're pretty good about making sure we have like some treats in our pocket peppermints this mm-hmm. or that because sometimes they just don't stand real mm-hmm. still but it doesn't mean that they're doing anything wrong it's just you kind of have to be quick but you have to make that assessment is is this horse going to be okay if i go up and just get on or should i just work with this horse a little bit more before deciding to get on. So it, like that experience kind of tells you, I guess. Yeah. And just a little reference maybe for listeners that don't have the background of what happens at the track. The horses are never asked to stand still or be mounted from a someone climbing up onto a mounting block and then getting on them while the horse stands still. They're given a leg up, yeah. they're moving. So it's just something that they're not used to. And for whatever reason, Horses sometimes get really spooked by someone being standing over them. Yeah. And they just yeah. panic. So I think it's a pri- like a primal thing, yeah, really. You know? sure. Like you're a, a lion <laughs> or something. Yeah. You're kind of, you're, you know, and it's, it's just normally one of those things, too. You can work through it. It just takes a little bit of a time. And for me, if, if I know that it's just not going to like, okay, we need to get this first ride done and this horse is worried about the mounting block, then we all normally go to a leg up and then spend some more time doing the mounting block another time. And then there's some horses that just, I just had a mare that was lovely and she was fine when you put your foot in, but she was just really worried about just what you said, like that initial going up the block when you look bigger than her, she was always like, yeah. Oh God. You know, and then you (laughs) just spend um, a minute just standing on the block and like kind of getting her to come around to you. And then she would, she'd stand quietly but I remember when we started her, like they, the first time we went up the block, she was like, peace out. I'm gone. You know, <laughs> I want nothing to do with this. So that, that can happen, but it doesn't mean that she wasn't good to ride. She was, you yeah, yeah. just had to approach her in a certain way. So you kind of just have to figure that out. 
Do you think also the way that somebody swings their leg over on the first couple of rides is really important in terms of not thumping down on their back, which I know sounds obvious, but I think that a lot of us are adult amateurs that are maybe not the most graceful getting on our horses all of the time. And I think you get a new off the track thoroughbred home. I think I'm cautious in that regard and that I try to ease myself down onto their back, not just fling myself on like it's a known quantity. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because you don't want to go so slow that it scares the horse, but you don't want to go so fast that it scares the horse. You don't right. want to <laughs> come down with too much pressure. It's a delicate process. It's one of those things that I think people just really uh, take for granted. And I just don't. And, you know, we always laugh because, you know, when I hired my new employee, I think she maybe thought I was a little like odd with my procedures. And now <laughs> she's like, I never realized like how wrong this can go until Mm -hmm. it goes really wrong. And and she had probably been doing her own little restarts and people just never think anything about it until you have it go wrong and you can get really, I know some of my worst riding falls have been mounting. So I guess that's why I really caution people. It's just, and if our horses come in and they have a little bit of a worry about mounting, I take it seriously and I do work with them because I just feel like it's really important to kind of address that. Yeah. Particularly if you're going to have other people coming to ride who yeah, may or may not absolutely. be used to doing this. Yeah. It's yeah. really. I mean, some of the things I see people do when they come to try our horses, I'm like, no, God, please don't do that. You know, just like standing on the mounting block and the horse is really far away. And so you're like reaching your foot to get on the horse or standing just kind of in weird positions, like really forward in front of the horse or really far behind the horse. Mm-hmm. Just things like that where you're you're very vulnerable. For me, it's always trying to get yourself in the position that if things go wrong, you're easiest to get out of them. I guess for me, that's when I mount a horse, I'm always just thinking, do this in a way that if everything goes bad, I can just get off, find a place to drop down. Don't put your foot all the way far in the stir, those kind of things. Right. Yeah. Or or poke the horse with your toe as you're trying to get on. Yeah. Things like that. Maybe. I think the old way of, of getting on a horse from the ground, you're supposed to like face the tail, put your foot in, twist around, yeah. you know, none of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. let's yeah. not be doing any of that. Is there any sort <laughs> of equipment that you tend to use on your first rides? Like something um, you always pack the horse yeah, up in? Or? I saw your question about riding martingales and that was interesting to me because I, I wanted to hear what you had to say <laughs> about it. You know, I've gotten lax in my running martingale use. Uh, I always use a breastplate. Just because saddles can slide, horses can just, it's a first ride. So we have a lot of different saddles and we try to put the saddle on that fits the best. Sometimes the horse lets its air out and your girth can get a little looser. For me, breastplates are really important. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just nice to have something I, to hold on to as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I like normally on a first ride, I'll do just like a D ring or an egg butt. I don't always do loose rings because I think that like they can easily pull through the mouth and the rings can pinch sometimes. And these mm-hmm. guys are sensitive and they don't always steer. So I prefer <laughs> D or an egg butt, but yeah, it's just semantic sometimes. And then martingales. I don't know. People get so spun up about martingales yeah. and <laughs> I'm not a huge martingale user for the most part, but I will say when I have needed it and then I didn't have it, I <laughs> really 
very angry at myself. I was showing a horse to somebody one time and we had ridden the horse a few times and he was pretty strong, but I didn't think much about it. But I didn't have a running martingale on and that horse took off with me mm-hmm. when I was riding it with my customers and I oh, could not pull him up. Could not pull him up. That was oh, no. so embarrassing. Literally, I was so embarrassed. And if I had had a running martingale, I definitely would have been able to pull him up. But he just was able to get his head up just enough <sighs> that I it just took me way longer than it needed to. So <laughs> for me, a running martingale isn't about being able to like help you get a horse's head down or anything like that. But a running martingale is really good in those little moments that a horse might have a spook and it's scoot and the head goes up. A lot of times you can get that horse back a little bit quicker. It's, it's just a little bit sort of a safety mechanism for me. And it's, it just depends on, on what you're used to. And in case of emergency item. Well, yeah. and also at the track, they're often ridden in yokes. So it's not like it's an unfamiliar piece of equipment. And I yeah. think it sometimes help a little bit with steering. And yeah, I had several incidents in a row where one was a horse I'd had in for training for a couple of months, a thoroughbred. And he was had never done anything like this. And, you know, it's always like, he's never done anything like this. But <laughs> I rode him, and then the client got on. And I don't know if she picked, I think she picked up the trot, and then suddenly she was cantering. And then suddenly we had a she huge was cantering really yeah. fast. And then this horse, he was, for fun, I'm not joking, crossing the diagonal and jumping cross rails and things with this poor girl hanging on the side. I think she was even screaming at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, I think Neve, you might have fine. Like we were trying to jump in front of him. We could not. She stayed on somehow. And we I finally think she pulled him up. The other one I jumped in front of because that yeah. was going to really go against poorly. And I got back on the horse. He was fine. I think he just knew that he could kind of get away with it with this person. And so then I I had terrifyingly a similar incident very close on a different horse (laughs) with a very experienced rider. And from that point forward, I was like, I'm just going to put Ronnie Martingales on them just in case. And to be clear, like you said, it wasn't something to force their head down. These were not tight. They were very loosely fitted, but just like in, in case of emergency, the horse is flinging its head straight up in the air and running off with you. It gives you something yeah. there to yeah. help pull the horse It's up. definitely helpful for that. And for me, like, <laughs> just, um, we, right now we have one that just, she'll just spook at stuff here and there. And, you know, in those moments, I'm just like, you know exactly what you're doing. So it's like a little <laughs> bit of a guideline to her to just kind of be like, yeah. no, yeah. that's just not going to work. And then I, I have this timber horse that's but that thing is, he's so smart and he knows if he has his running martingale on, he's like, okay, yeah, fine. Right. But if he doesn't, yeah, good luck. <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's a good piece of equipment. I don't use standing martingales because I think that they can feel restrictive on horses. Mm-hmm. And with a running martingale, if a horse has a moment where they want to rear, they get stuck behind the leg, you can always soften your hands and the everything softens. But with a standing martingale, it can definitely be restrictive. And normally when we're doing a first ride, I don't know how this horse is in the contact in its mouth, how it feels about life in general. So sometimes I'm a less is more kind of person. And I don't always put running martingales on even for the first ride, just because I I know nothing about this horse. So sometimes I'm, I'm more of a minimalist when I'm starting out and then I add things as I go. So it depends. Yeah. Um, 
Simple yeah. is generally better, especially I think bidding wise. There's no need yeah. to go stronger unless you know ahead of time what no. you're dealing with. And you don't. Mm-hmm. They're always going to be yeah. different. So, yeah. We did go back and watch that second horse that Emily was talking about. We watched some of his race videos online, and boy, was he strong on the track. Yeah, he yeah. was a really cool turf <laughs> horse, but yeah, he definitely knew how to run and how to pull. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it's funny, it's more rare to find. I know everybody thinks, oh, thoroughbreds are really forward. I feel like, in my experience, with as many like over thousands of horses that I've done. That is way more rare than people would mm-hmm. think. Most of them are backed off. They're a little gate sour. They get stuck in the corners. They're they're behind the leg. Yeah, I do not have many that do that. Yeah. So that's why for me is just like not sort of something I would expect. But you you don't know. And <laughs> do different riders it? can create different reactions. So oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know what a horse never does when you ride it that's the thing about showing horses is that it's not really a lie to say, Hey, the horse has never done that because there's been plenty of times where I cannot recreate what just happened. I don't (laughs) even know how that happened or why that happened. That horse has never done that, but whatever that person did, that horse just, yeah. You're like, I've never seen the horse do that before. It's not really a lie because most of the time they don't, but sometimes just the wrong combination, the wrong Mm -hmm. rider, you know, produce a bad a bad result but yeah people will ask me a lot of questions about it's interesting how many horse shoppers ask me what does the horse need a martingale or why do you have that on or just different questions about equipment maybe just not really understanding kind of what the the role of it could be yeah absolutely what do you think constitutes a great first ride i mean i'm assuming for the most part the person gets on you walk trot and canter in both directions and call it a day and say, all right, you have a basic yeah. assessment of the horse. What do you think calls it a success for you? Yeah. Every first ride is different. So it's, it's like level of expectation, right? You know, so for me, it's, we do do things a little different. I want to maybe test some of the the buttons that are on the horse. So I will, I will ask it to soften its back a little bit, maybe a little like baby lateral work. Just can we push it sideways? Can we put our leg on it? Can we ride it over its back a little bit? Can you get on it? Can you walk track canter it around? How well did it go? Short and sweet. You know, our first rides are normally 15 minutes max. Mm-hmm. That's it. 10, 10, 15 minutes. And I'm, I'm just kind of trying to get a feel for like what the horse is all about. How do they move? What's their balance like? And then, and then kind of think about where I want to go from there. Do I want to change any equipment? Do I want to put a different bid on? Normally that first ride then tells me, does the horse need to go into the lunging program? Does it no contact? Do we need to go teach it to lunge and side reins and Vienna reins and that kind of thing before we do another ride or kind of where are the holes? So that, mm-hmm. that first ride is just like an assessment. Do you count on your riders to give you a fair amount of feedback? I mean, obviously you're seeing a lot from the ground, but I feel like your riders have been with you for long enough that you probably value what they're feeling in the tack as well. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, generally, yeah, I guess maybe I've just been doing it so long. You know, we don't really, we don't even really talk to each other much. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, yeah, this one's gonna need to go in the lunch program. Or Mm -hmm. I'll say, okay, we'll try this. Because sometimes when you get on one and you're asking it to maybe be a little bit softer, sometimes you're like, we'll try it 
you know, working it with a little bit more in the contact or then the horse is like, oh my God, don't touch my mouth. So you'll try a little longer rein, or you might try a little more forward. You might try a little more neck bend to get it a little softer in the middle of the neck. So those are the kind of things like we're normally just talking about, but it's kind of easy enough to see how it's going. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it's probably pretty exciting for you on the ground sometimes to see a horse going around and being like, ooh, that one looks really nice. And yeah. have the rider come back and be like, I really like this one. Yeah. I mean, we're we're normally like, oh, wow. It's normally just fun because you pick up the trot and you're like, wow. And then the canter and you're like, ah, damn, this is great. You know, and you're just <laughs> going, well, because sometimes you just, you thought the horse was going to be nice, but then it's just so much nicer. And s- most horses for me are nicer under saddle than they are in the free area. We normally look at ours in the free area before we ride them. And what you see in the free area doesn't always correlate to like mm-hmm. what you get in the tax. So yeah. I, I generally think horses are nicer under saddle, but if you ride them properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause it's something that I've always thought is interesting. Sometimes you see that like huge extended trot or something yeah. like that in the free arena, but can the horse do that under saddle? Oftentimes it moves a lot differently when a rider at science back, particularly when they're first starting out and they don't maybe know how to use themselves properly under saddle. I think depending yeah, upon the Yeah, you can't always training. create the same movement or, or it goes the opposite direction and the horse in the free area was just kind of like inverted and not really using itself and with a rider up, you can influence it to make a good shape and then it's way nicer. So I feel like it can go, it can be different and you kind of have to sort of know what the difference is, you know, and I always, it's always interesting to me because there was like a time when a lot of people were buying horses off of like the free videos. Mm-hmm. And then that hasn't happened to me in a long time where people have thought a horse was, you know, so nice that they wanted to buy off the free video. And I have had some that I thought would sell off the free videos because I'm like, mm-hmm wow, this horse is spectacular. So it's interesting to me. You get a lot more information just in turning that horse loose than you would at the track. But of course, that first ride then gives you even that much more information. Yeah. I think sometimes seeing them move freely gives you a little bit of an idea of their confirmation in motion. I mean, that sounds obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seeing their confirmation in motion tells you a little bit more about the functionality of their confirmation, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think that's useful, but I I do really agree that it doesn't always translate to under saddle and vice versa. Something that's unique about your program is that your horses are ridden very forward, which I think is awesome. I'm sure it's not always easy to get them that forward. And they tend to be in a little bit of a frame Can you explain a little bit about why that's been really successful for you and the horses that you're bringing along? Because I think for a lot of people, they might come out to your farm and try to get on one of your horses and try to recreate that. And I know that that's, it's a a skill. Yes, (laughs) it is a skill (laughs) for sure. And I always feel like for me, once you've been able to ride a horse that goes over its back, you can never get on a horse and not ride it over its back. So for us to (laughs) let a horse go around inverted is just, it's wrong. I don't like riding that way. I think it's, you're just sort of perpetuating all the stereotypes about thoroughbreds when you let them go that way. The whole goal in riding a horse is to get the horse to push from behind, go over its back, soften its top line, and learn to create strong back muscles, top line muscles, use the the hind end. And we talk so much about 
kissing spines and all these things. And, and a lot of those things are really resolved when you can properly get mm-hmm. a horse working through its back, working over its back. And I also think it has a lot to do with aesthetics. Part of it is, yes, I think horses should be ridden that way. But I also believe that people cannot see past a horse that is inverted. Mm-hmm. Um, you take the same horse in the same video and you just ride it around on a loose terrain and the horse has its head up in the air. And then you take that horse and you make a little bit of a shape and it looks completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Fill, well, filling in the gaps in the imagination for people. Yeah, a little bit. It just creates so much controversy. Sometimes mm-hmm. people don't like how we do it, which is fine. You don't have to like it. It's yeah. okay with me, but you know, there is a reason for, for teaching horse that. And also when you get on a horse and say a horse is like being fresh or being silly, there is nothing worse than having horses has no concept of how to make a shape in its body by picking up the reins and putting your leg on. And so if the horse is being naughty, it's bucking, it's spooking, it's carrying on. How are you going to influence the shape of this horse right. if it doesn't understand the contact? You know, so also for safety and it's mm-hmm. teaching the horse that when I pick up the reins and I put my leg on, you go here and you go to work and you use your back. I think it's just, it's such an important skill. It's step number one. If we get on and you can't touch their mouth and you can't pick up the reins, we lunge them. We work with them on the ground until we can get soft. And also it has a lot to do with when people come out here to ride horses. The reality is, is that most people maybe don't have the best idea about how to get a young green horse to be soft in the back. Like nobody's ever really taught them that. So we need to teach our horses how to do that first so that other people can then get on and create the same thing that we're creating. Um, I'm, I don't use gadgets. I don't use draw reins. I love lunging. So we use that a lot when horses don't really understand. It's amazing how just a session or two in some side reins or Vienna reins just allows the horse to figure out kind of the pre- pressure and release. Mm-hmm. You know, simple, simple concepts. So well, things like that. Often at the track too, if you watch before and after their races, the way that the jockeys tend to ride them after they're done running they're in a frame their hands are placed down on their wither and the horse is yeah. essentially on the bit using its back it's just the rider's just not sitting on its back but it the idea yeah. of just like letting them float along in space i think they enjoy having input yeah they don't want a passive person just to be like you said if there's a spook or something what are you going to do now gather up the reins like it's just like laundry you're just trying to you know <laughs> a lot of horses just get security from being ridden over their back and they they don't really understand how to go on a long rein in the beginning. And that's like a normal thing, right? Is that you're not going to see thoroughbreds being ridden around the track on the buckle. Like they're they're normally in a bit of a contact and mm-hmm. you know there's a reason for that obviously because they've been ridden at speed or they're just, you know, for steering all that kind of stuff. But also horses they want to get like sort of instruction, I guess, from, yeah. from the rider. Like they want to know that you're there. So they get really confused when it's loose tight and you're all over the place and they don't really understand what's happening. That's kind of what creates a lot of like the confusion in the horse. And I feel like a lot of people would really benefit from learning with some good dressage trainers because there's so much to be learned there about how to teach horses 
young green horses about the contact and how to do it from putting your leg on and riding the horse forward. And that's mm-hmm. why we ride our horses forward is because mm-hmm. when you're asking those horses to soften, you don't want to just pull the head down. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're creating that energy kind of from behind and we're saying, come on, let's go forward. And then now we're going to touch your mouth a little bit. Yeah. So here's like, a place for you to go. Encouraging that, right? We're not doing like this tiny little trot where we are trying to seesaw their head down. We're like, come on, big trot. And then push, push. And then we're just sort of floating the hand out to be like, okay, now reach out to that hand. And mm-hmm. we're just get that really quick. But I think as riders, or, you know, the biggest thing that we can do wrong on these horses is to not ride them forward. I feel like the cases where I've seen them go the most wrong horses that have developed issues like with rearing and spinning and balking. And a lot of times it's, it's just because of the way they're being ridden. Horses at the track are really used to being ridden forward and, and jockeys are sort of like, Oh, you're being silly. Come on, gallop on, gallop on. And sometimes When we get a horse in and it's a little behind the leg and it's maybe being a little nappy, you'll see us doing a pretty forward canter and it's in my videos and people are probably, whoa, that's like a little forward. Yeah, these horses are green. We're kind of being, hey, get on task. This is your job. Do not stop at that gate. If you right. I was going to say gate, it's better than them hopping up and down at the gate. <laughs> yeah. Like we're going to maybe use a little stick behind the leg and be like, no, you're not stopping at the gate. You're going to come on forward past that gate and keep on moving. So it's not that you always ride them that way. But again, these are young green horses. They're looking for their rider to be a little bit of the boss to say, hey, come on. This is the job. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And, and to be assertive, not, you know, waiting for things to happen. Like we're just sort of like, okay, this is what, yeah. what you're doing. And so if you have your plan, you're riding to your plan and you're, you're just moving them forward, most of them go great. But if you're like waiting for them to do something, that's when it's going to happen, right? You know, so yeah. just perspective. Yeah. And until you have that forward, like I know you said this, but it, if you haven't felt a horse actually coming from behind and then coming over its back and into the contact and that like cycle of energy, you cannot create that until you have that forward established, number one. And that can be tough because a lot of these horses don't, you know, they're maybe not used to a rider using their legs in that manner. (laughs) You know, that can be something that's new for them. So definitely a little bit, a little bit tricky to teach sometimes. Not always. Like you said, sometimes you get the horse in though and they're Wow, we trained this one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and just to reiterate what you said about using the stick, if you think about how a jockey or an exercise rider is sort of perched on top of the horse, they're using their stick as a lateral aid sometimes or using it as a reinforcing aid to move forward. And you're not going to see them up there dilly dallying when the horse gets nappy. And it's not mean, it's just their legs are, you know, (laughs) so far down. And Yeah. I mean, sometimes we use a dressage whip a lot more and Mm -hmm. sometimes you will see us using it almost like a steering aid, Mm -hmm. not even just for forward, but like say that horse and like you're going to the gate, right? And it's just popping out that outside shoulder towards the gate and you give it a little ache. Come on. Mm -hmm. I I put my outside leg on, move your shoulder over here. Stop Mm -hmm. like drifting over here. And from that first ride, we're just like, no, it's, it's straight. It's forward. These these are the pieces that matter the most because, again, if you're riding straight and you're riding forward, 
these horses are kind of built to just naturally go in a good shape and they will put their heads down on their own if you master the straight and the forward. But you kind of have to pick what you're going to, what you're going to focus on. So for me, the forward is, is key. And I'm always teaching my riders that because I think as riders, when things start to go wrong, or you get on a horse and you're like, oh boy, and you just know, <laughs> right? So hard, right? It's, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing this. The mm-hmm. hardest thing to do sometimes in your head is like, that this feels a little dicey to be like, mm-hmm. just go on, go forward, go for yeah. canter. That <laughs> is hard. And that's often like what I'm telling them from the ground. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> you get on and do it. But I'm here to be in this moment. Y- you, you need to kick instead of pull. Mm-hmm. And that, that's hard, but it's essential to do. And a lot of problems can be resolved by just putting your hands down and, and really going forward. So that's just like how I do it. And a lot of the horses that come in here, I think more than any are behind the leg. That's we encounter that a lot more. And there's no correlation between their age, how often they've raced, any of that stuff. I, I really, I cannot say, but why it is, but a lot of them are just really behind the leg. And it takes, sometimes it can take quite a bit to just kind of resolve that as far as going forward. Like when you put your leg on, almost becoming like resistant to when you put your leg on, you put your leg on and then the horse is like a turtle. The head goes down, (laughs) going down and you're like, no, when the leg goes on, that means go. Because they're not used to that. Horses at the track, they often don't even do a lot of trot work. And I think that the trot can be harder for them. So mm-hmm. we tend to use the canner a lot more to help the trot. And that's why you do that because thoroughbreds at the track are more used to cantering. You don't see them like come out and do a lot of like trot work. That's just not common, right? So a lot of times these horses don't even really understand what it is to trot. Like you're saying, well, go forward. They're like, what is that? Like, I just can canter. Like, can I just canter? And you're like, that's good too. <laughs> But here's the trot, and we have a lot what we call they tranter because they can't figure out like <laughs> trotting. They're like, what is trotting? You know, so um, it's very interesting, but it's normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're trying so hard that they're like, well, this is what I know. And I, I think you're asking me something else. And so yeah. I'll just do both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you ever done or will you ever do? a first ride in front of a customer. Say you just got this horse in and so they come to see something else and they see it. Sometimes I really prefer not to because, you know, I'm just so like detailed in my process that I don't, I want to take whatever time it takes. If it takes me five minutes or it takes 30 minutes or it takes 45 minutes, we need that time. And so when we do rides here, it just, we just like our process. And I also feel like people often just don't understand what Mm -hmm. it looks like. They think that these horses should be going a certain way, doing a certain something. I just find most people can't see past sort of that initial, what this could look like. And we get them going pretty quick. I like to think because we do it so much and, and I think we're pretty good at it. We get these horses looking really pretty good in a couple of rides. Sometimes that first five to 10 minutes, the horse's head is straight in the air. <laughs> They're not going by the gate. They're stuck behind the leg. And that first five to 10 minutes of sort of being like, look, you, 
you will go forward. You got to put your head down. Like if somebody doesn't understand what that looks like, I think maybe they just would be like, is this, is this right? You know, is this right. how you do this? And yeah. I think if you haven't seen like people riding and training like green horses off the track, it, it could just me be misconstrued a little bit because it's like, it's interesting to me. And I never get tired of watching that first ride because the horse comes out a lot of times. It's like, you can't touch me. You can't touch me. And you're like, I'm going to touch you. I'm touching you. And it goes from being inverted with the short trappy stride. And 10 minutes later, it's soft, it's forward. And you're like, holy heck, the difference in 10 minutes is amazing. Yeah. Of just being persistent and using your aids effectively. Yeah. Right. And like, we are good at that. If you don't know how to do that, I think that's where people just maybe have never been taught, never learned. That's, I think, where getting a trainer that really understands how to teach people. If you're getting a thoroughbred, finding somebody that can help you kind of continue on that Mm -hmm. process is important. Or if you land just because we really have to be effective in our aids and with our timing to influence the horse to go correctly. And if you can't do it as a rider, then the horse isn't going to be able to do it either. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And, you know, sometimes even upper level riders, like I've had a lot that come and I just don't think that um, they've restarted that many and they can't really see through that first ride either. I think they might take it a little bit more personally when that happens too. I think you're almost better off dealing with someone who knows a little bit less than someone that knows too much in a way. Because yeah, I think there's like a certain amount of ego that has to be set aside when you start working with a young thoroughbred and that you have to just sort of be really willing to set that aside and try to meet the horse halfway. I think that's why I don't like showing horses on first rides in front of customers because what we do them, we really don't have an agenda. We don't care how well it goes. Sometimes yeah. it goes great. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes we sort of abandon our, you know, plan that we thought we had. We we're like, oh, we got 20 minutes. We're going to do this first ride. And you're like, ah, yeah, jokes oh. on me, you know. And, <laughs> and you sort of have to be flexible to be like, well, that didn't go to plan for whatever reason. We went to do one the other day and he was lovely, but he was like riding like a board. He had no softness anywhere in his body. And yes, he's a lovely horse. If I took a video of that horse and I posted it, I just don't feel like people could see what that horse really is going to be like. So mm-hmm. For me, I want to present the best version of that horse. It doesn't mean that he wasn't nice on that first ride, but first impressions count. So for me, I, I really like just a couple lunging sessions and things like that where we get that horse just to soften up will make a huge difference. And when people see, they'll be like, oh, wow, he's lovely. If I showed him that first ride, they'd be like, eh, he's just okay. And I could see why they would think that because when I'm watching him, I'm like, okay, I I know what he's going to look like. But if I was looking at him now, I probably wouldn't really be that impressed. And sometimes too, when people are here for first rides, they'll be like, oh, well, can you pop him over some poles or can you (laughs) pop him over a trail? And I'm just like, no. (laughs) You just arrived. Stop it. Yeah. And sometimes I just feel like that's where people go wrong, right? Like we get greedy. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying sometimes with like a horse that's just like whatever, I might. It, I try to leave that open. You know, sometimes I've done it and it. I had this 
customer last year where she came and she was a really good rider. Super nice. I, I think she was in college. Just a great attitude. And she had maybe ridden like four or five horses. And I was like, well, we have this other one that just came in. We we're going to get on him. And and I said, you know, we'll bring him out and we're, we'll get on him. And I remember because the horse was, was a really nice horse, but he was, he was like forward thinking, it's a little bit spicy. And I think Stacy rode him first and he kind of started out exactly like I said, like flailing all around, not steering, <laughs> head up in the air, you know. But in these moments, you would get a glimpse of, wow. And as Stacy was going, we were all just like, holy smokes. He went from, eh, to holy shit, this horse is unbelievable. And she got on and just had the biggest smile on her face. And you could just tell he was the one. And she'd ridden six horses at that point. So I didn't really know how it was going to go, but I felt like she could just roll with it. But you just have to feel it out. And so, yeah. Kind of case by case. Yeah. I wasn't sure which way that story was going to (laughs) go. Yeah, because sometimes it doesn't go well. And, you know, we've had customers that have just been here and they've tried some horses and they've just stuck around and we're like, you know, we've got more horses that we're going to get ready to get on and we're doing some starts. And I think they do enjoy watching, but we always maybe feel like a little pressure when people are watching us. I feel like my riders are more relaxed when they don't have people watching them Mm -hmm. for that ride because it's really about being like an effective rider, not always a pretty rider in those first couple of rides. You're really just trying to like get the horse to understand, get it to relax, get it to go straight, get it to go forward. And you're not always like looking like this great rider. <laughs> you're this sort of like really just trying to be effective, whatever that might be. And so it's interesting because some people will be like, wow, unbelievable to see that first rider. Like, wow, that didn't go well. And well, yeah, sometimes it it just doesn't. Or trying to get the horse to canter and it's just doing this monster standard bread trot around the ring and you're just, everything's flapping and you're like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't look that cute, but I got to get it into the canter somehow. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes we, we have had horses that require ground person to get them to go forward. I was going to ask you that earlier, if you ever did that. Yes. You know, those are like the the things that I think people don't ever want to talk about. And they probably just don't want to, I feel like it's the, you know, always the things that I say, everybody really needs to know this, but I do not want to post videos of this because it just, <laughs> I do not think people would understand. And yeah. it's a lot like some of these videos going around. It can so easily be taken out of context. Mm-hmm. And yeah, unless you ride young horses and sort of like understand this process, I don't know how people would take it, but we do get horses sometimes that, I think they understand what they're supposed to do, but they have gotten away with a lot. And I just find it like to be really critical that they get the message. And it's not about being mean, but sometimes the rider is not able to get them to go forward. So we have a grounds person to just kind of be like, hey, you you will go out of that corner. You will go past (laughs) the gate. And it's interesting. Most of it has to do with buddies or the gate. So That is a common thing. And and I think people probably need to talk about it a lot more than they do because I know people are taking their thoroughbreds home off the track and running into these problems because it happens here all the time. I mean, you mm-hmm. get on the horse and then you start trotting and literally you can't turn it right because the friends are over here and it, mm-hmm. it just is like, I'm not coming out of this corner. Mm-hmm. And 
They're like, sometimes I've you know, never you had can... friends. I haven't had friends yeah. for three years. <laughs> yeah. Let me talk to sometimes my friends. Sometimes you can influence it. But sometimes you need somebody there to be like, mm-hmm. listen, you will come out of this corner. And <laughs> it's not always like a, a process that I think is super pretty. But we're not mean to the horse. But it's like, listen, when we still come forward and you need to come around the turn, it, it means get on past it. This bucking, carrying on, napping, mm-hmm. dropping your shoulders, spinning, whatever you're trying to do here, that's not going to fly here. And if you yeah. nip that really quickly on the first couple of rides, you normally get past it. But if you like lose that battle, mm-hmm. then yeah. I think that's where the problems begin, right? Because every time like the horse learns, oh, I got away with that, then it just becomes yeah. a, a, a bigger thing. And I think they're highly, highly intelligent as a breed of horse. I think they have a fantastic work ethic. I think they like doing work. They like being in a program. And I think that you can get yourself into a lot of trouble by not supporting them and providing them with some place to go and some parameters. So I guess we're kind of wrapping up this episode a little bit. But once you finish up your first ride, what kind of program do you typically put the horse into? I know a lot of your horses sell really quickly, but... Do you use the first ride as a stepping stone to what you might want to do with the horse in the next couple of rides? Or do you just kind of lengthen the amount of time that you're riding them? Or how do you go about that? Most of our rides here are always kind of short and sweet. I I think Mm -hmm. most of these horses that are coming in, it's really important to think that they do not have the the muscles a lot of times Mm -hmm. to support the work. So you have to be really careful to not overdo it. So many people get really carried away to be like, Oh, I got them to soften their back and you just keep going and going. And then mm-hmm. the next day that was like, Oh my God, my back is killing me. And well, that's because you overdid it. You have to be little bits at a time, you know? So this horse has been used to going one way and now you're asking it to use all new muscles and do all new things. You, you have to be really diligent in not overdoing it. So mm-hmm. that's one thing that I think I'm, pretty good about here is like normally three days a week, sometimes two days a week, it's 15 minute sessions, maybe 20 minutes. And we kind of mix it up. Sometimes we're just trotting some poles. Normally by the second ride, we've like started introducing some little baby poles, some jumps, some different things, or maybe we're doing some lunging in between the riding. And I'm just kind of trying to figure out what it is that the horse needs to work on. So we're always kind of using that first ride as like, okay, where do we what does this horse need the most? Do they need some work to the right? You know, do we want to just spend some time at the walk and the trot, teaching it to move off the right leg, doing some like baby lateral work? And I always say it's the low and slow work. So a lot Mm -hmm. of it, a lot, a lot of work can be done at the walk with these horses, just teaching them, moving off the leg, going forward, going straight, that kind of stuff serves you. The biggest reward I think is, is kind of found there. And then like you just build from there. So, you know, everybody gets in such a hurry. Like they always are like, oh, you know, have you jumped it yet? How big can it jump? I don't know. If it was up to me, I'd be doing flat work for six months before obviously being a sales program. It just can't work that way. So we kind of like are forced to do things. I mean, not forced. If the horse isn't ready, I don't do it. But I do things with horses that most people will be like, I would never jump a horse on its second ride. I'm like, it's a cross rail. Like we're not. I'm not saying we're like doing a like two, three, two, six. Normally we're just taking it easy, but just showing enough that the horse is willing and stuff like that. And and that's kind of what I want to see is like, 
for me, everything is an assessment. Will the horse, what does the horse want to do? Does it go like an eventer or a hunter mm-hmm. or does it like to hack out? Can we ride it out in the field? Is it brave to the jumps? Can it take a joke? All those things. Or is it a little hot? Is it a little spicy? Does it really need five days a week? Those are the kind of things that I'm normally just figuring out really quick and then trying to make that assessment on what kind of program this horse is going to need, what kind of job it wants to do, that kind of thing. I always (laughs) think that the question of how high can the horse jump is like the biggest tell of somebody. Uh, Yeah. A, you should be able to look at the horse and have a pretty good idea. B, like, are we going to have a high jump contest? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, honestly. I always say first jump sessions are like sometimes the most unattractive. I think if people knew how horses start jumping and where they end up going in their careers, they would just be flabbergasted because Mm -hmm. horses learning to jump is just, it's just not attractive. It is so rare that a horse comes out, snaps his knees up, has this beautiful jump. Like that is not, that is not common. It's not expected. It is not normal. That should not be your goal. And that should not be what you're looking for because that, that is not how you assess first jump session. Normally these horses are in their first couple of rides. Like, I'm just looking for, are they willing, you know, do they like make a good sheep in in their back? I don't really care that they're not snapping up or how's the rhythm? How are they like going to the jump, landing from the jump, that kind of stuff. That tells me kind of all I want to know. The rest of it is just, it's just training. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say that I think that a lot of your first rides with your horses is getting them to be user friendly for the people that are going to be coming to try them so that you know enough about the horse and enough about how it goes to make sure that the horse is set up for as much success as is possible for when someone comes to try it. Yeah. And sometimes there's horses that we just know aren't ready to be tried by people. And Yeah. This goes back to the last episode, but you do a really good job of assessing the needs of the horse and determining if it needs a five day a week program or a more of a professional type of ride versus an amateur ride. And I think the big takeaway from this episode is the the reason that somebody should want to buy a horse from a trusted reseller is because there's so much that goes into all of this before you put that horse for sale online. And the things that you're saying, you have to be able to stand behind them in terms of what you think the horse will be best suited for. And And I think that's something that people can count on when they come to you and say, listen, here are the goals that I have. What do you have that's available? Obviously, people choose things with their eyes first, but I think that I wish more people would listen to what a reseller had to say about like, here's the first couple rides went and here's where we think it's most suited. Well, also just like not every horse is going to be an upper level horse. So, you know, when somebody's telling you all their horses are upper level horses, oh, okay, that's not true. You have to know what makes horses like have kind of what, what, what are those criteria that you're looking for? What are you feeling? What are you seeing? Those are things that we're always looking for. And I can normally tell within a couple of rides, like, boy, this thing is, it's got all the things that I look for. I'm not saying it's going to get to that level, mm-hmm. but it has all the pieces. Like nobody knows whether it will or it won't, but you're just looking for all those pieces. And also When you buy a horse from somebody, I think maybe that does this so much. This is all we do. We sit on so many horses. We 
can tell you so quickly, this horse is really easy to put in the bridle. You can just get on, put your leg on, Mm -hmm. pick the reins up, and boy, it just makes this lovely shape. And it's so soft. And people just don't appreciate what we're trying to say to you, which is anybody could get on and do that. (laughs) And you're like, anybody, not just us, but anybody. Or we'll say, hey, you know, this horse is like a little stiff to the left or it's a little stiff to the right. We are able to assess that so quickly because we're doing this every day on so many different horses. So we can really pinpoint exactly what this horse is, what it needs, what you're going to need to be able to do. I can do that in a ride. And I know people don't believe that, but I like to think it's true. I can tell you so much in one ride that you will never get at the track. And also things that go wrong, right? Those things are important to know. Like we picked up the reins and that horse had never had his mouth touched like boy it's (laughs) a long time or you know the horse is hotter than hot it just flies around out of control or the horse is super spooky a lot of these things you can't really tell until you get started right you know or we went to pick up the canner and this horse just has a really horrible balance in the canner and was super obvious that it's just gonna take forever what whatever all these things are just things that we can see on ride one. For me, I'm seeing all these things. I'm just kind of going down the boxes of what kind of ride or what kind of job, all these things. And also, can people come and sit on this horse? Would I feel comfortable somebody coming? Because we say that, right? A lot in our ads. People say, well, you say everything is amateur friendly. No, I I don't say that. (laughs) Um, But if I tell you that I think anybody could ride this horse, I really mean I do believe that. And the horse is demonstrated. It just tells me that it is that kind of horse that you could ride it on the buckle, drink a beer, and it would be (laughs) fine. Okay? Because I have plenty of horses like that. But I think people just don't understand when we're telling them the differences in some of these horses and like trying to steer them the right directions and saying... I, I think you'd be better suited for this one. Maybe it's like less fancy, but this horse is going to be one that's going to do the job and do it like well. Because there's horses that I get on and I think this horse in one month will go baby novice. I, I know it. Yeah. And people are like, well, how do you know? And you just know, but that's not a great explanation. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because I said I just, so. <laughs> you know, like it just jumped around on its second ride, every filler in my riding ring, like it yeah. has been doing it forever. Maybe it didn't look this amazing horse, but like willingness, that's trainability. Those are the things that are crucial. I'd rather take a horse that's like super trainable than this really super fancy one that was a little bit, woo, you know, not everybody's going to be able to ride that. So it's sort of just that assessment. That first ride is is such a critical assessment. And and I think the people that um, do this and do it well can give you your money's worth in that first ride. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might be a good place to end unless you had one more question, Emily. No, I was just going to say, is there any final advice that you have for our listeners, things that they can do to help make that first ride, especially once they get the horse home, go more smoothly or anything else that you wanted to add? Um, Just, I think that having a good grounds person is helpful to do a first ride. You know, if you maybe aren't that confident or aren't that relaxed, maybe recruit a friend that has a little bit more experience to them. Just kind of do everything you can to set that first ride up for success. The tone of the first ride is super important for how that horse is going to progress. And if you're really nervous and scared, then the horse isn't going to go 
well for you. So I like to just kind of make sure you've done all the right things to, to get in the right headspace or find somebody that can help you kind of make sure that first couple rides go well. Um, I think that's really good advice. Well, Jessica, thank you so much again for joining us. We look forward to having you on another episode in the future. We'll have to think of a good topic. And a reminder, Jessica is from Benchmark Sport Horses and can be found online at www.benchmarksporthorses.com and also on Facebook. And if you like what you heard today, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Feel free to reach out to us at ottbontap at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at OTTB underscore on underscore tap and join our Facebook group, OTTB Market. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks so much. See you, <laughs> See you next time. Yep. <laughs>